it's all about playing the game the right way. The name on the front of the jersey is more important than that name on the back of the jersey. You play for the Indiana Pacers. That's who you represent. What's up, everybody? Welcome to All Pacers Pod, a podcast for Pacers fans by Pacers fans. I'm your host, Jack. I'm joined here, as always, by our producer, Combs. What's up, Austin? Yo, yo, yo. And we are uh, joined by our good friend, Lucas Goforth. Lucas, uh, is this is his first time on the podcast. Diehard Pacers fan. Lucas, what's up? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate this. And anytime I can talk hoops, and especially Pacers, I'm all about it. Yes, and we have something fun planned today. But before we move forward... Lucas, can you tell us a little bit of uh, your Pacer fandom and uh, what has kept you going over the years as a Pacers fan? Yeah, so I grew up in Indianapolis, the heart of where the Pacers are. So, I mean, I grew up a diehard Pacer fan right away. Uh, Obviously, Reggie was a big part of that. Uh, Favorite sports, um, iconic player for me, uh, even over Peyton Manning or anybody, anybody like that. So just grew up watching him, clutch shots after clutch shots and I still remember even 2000 when uh, they played the Lakers in the finals. I couldn't go to any games, but their away games when they played in L.A., I was going to the arena, and they had it for any fans that wanted to come in. So just a lot of memories. I love Pacers from the very beginning. That's awesome, man. And you're a Purdue fan. Unfortunately, I am. Yeah, which me and Austin are both IU fans, and I'm sure a lot of people listening are Purdue fans too, Lucas, but this is made by IU fans. Ironically, I grew up an IU fan and then went to Purdue and I had to switch. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, we, we'll, we'll end the discussion there. Uh, Jeremy, who's usually on this podcast, one of our co-hosts, is a big Louisville fan. And I don't know if you remember Brian Bowen from uh, the whole Louisville scandal, got $100,000, is now a Pacer. So, you know, colleges do play a little bit of a uh, factor in this whole podcast, but not much. So don't worry. Yeah, I dropped out of college. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm on the podcast, so. All right, today what we're talking about is the malice at the palace. And what we've done is we've done a huge deep dive into uh, what happened in this fight. If anyone uh, doesn't know what it is, it's a brawl that happened in 2004. Pacers were in Detroit playing the Pistons. And with 58 seconds left or 45 seconds left, I can't remember right now, um, a big brawl broke out. Some of the Pacers went into the stands LeBron Artest, who is known now as Meta World Peace or Happy Panda or whatever it is, um, got the largest suspension in NBA history, which may never get topped either. Who knows? Steven Jackson, I think at the time, got the second largest suspension in NBA history. And um, it was just something where the Pacers had a great team. It could have turned into something. And the brawl happened and time stood still for a second for Pacer fans. So we're going to deep dive into this. We have a ton of questions, superlatives. Um takes we're gonna dive into it guys let's go from point a to point b of what happened here so the year's 2004 the season before the pistons had won the nba championship we go to detroit ron artest is putting up mvp numbers this season reggie miller's been hurt uh little did we know this was going to be reggie miller's last season as well in indy and we had a good team built around ron artest jermaine o'neal and I guess Reggie. And we had the type of team that many people at the time thought could win the NBA championship. Do you guys have like any thoughts on that? Do you think that would have been possible? Oh, yeah, I completely agree with that. And Jermaine O'Neal just came off one of his best seasons as well. So uh, he, he even described this team as being younger, faster, better 
um, and then getting to play them again. Um, I think this was definitely a year that was um, built up for, for a championship. And you know how the Pacers go. It's always bad timing. So what happened was this brawl took place. I'm going to kind of run through the uh, things that I, I watched the whole game. I'm going to run through like the moments that I think built up to this huge brawl. And you guys can add anything if uh, you remember anything in particular. Um, and then I'll, I'll just have some other things to talk about eventually too that I noticed while watching this game. And uh, some of it's just so ridiculous. I can't even believe it happened. So first of all, um, it was a chippy game. Obviously, it was two of the teams in the NBA you didn't want to mess with. We always talk about back alley brawls on this podcast. And I think two of maybe like the five teams ever that you want to get want to get into a back alley brawl with are the 2004 Pacers and the 2004 Pistons. 2004-2005 Pacers and Pistons. And um, I think you see it a lot in this game from the very beginning. So early on, Jamal Tinsley gets bumped by billups while guarding him and then just like swipes at him uh jamal tinsley swipes at billups it's unnecessary billups gets fouled you can start to see tension rising from that moment on rasheed wallace and jermaine o'neal don't stop talking smush parker made an appearance had a hard foul on eddie gill from the pacers with in the second quarter with 11 12 left in the quarter should have been a flagrant it wasn't whatever Game keeps getting chippy. This is only in the second quarter, keep in mind, and this is just the beginning of the second quarter. Jermaine O'Neal and Rasheed Wallace, like I said, wouldn't stop talking. Pistons fans start booing the Pistons in the second as well. Rasheed Wallace gets a technical in the second, could have got two. And this all led up, I mean, this all kept going on, and it led up to Steven Jackson at the free throw line. You could see tensions were rising. And then Ron Artest is driving down uh, with under two minutes left. Gets swatted by Ben Wallace. Then the next possession, the Pistons lose the ball. Ron Artest gets the ball back, has a fast break slam. And then a few possessions later, this is when uh, Artest hits Ben Wallace. And then Ben Wallace comes and shoves Ron Artest in the neck. And then, obviously, what happened after that was the worst moment in Pacers history. The malice at the palace. So... I mean, I, I know I just really quickly went through that game. There's a ton more we're going to talk about. But this is what I believe was, you know, the steady progression of the Pacers and Pistons having that big moment and uh, the Pacers team ultimately falling apart. Looking at watching this game, watching this fight, looking at Ron Artest, what do you think was like going through his head, some of the players' heads, uh, fans? Like, can you guys just explain this moment in the best way you can? Well, I think another important thing to think about with the buildup is that these were the two best teams in the Eastern Conference uh, by far. Um, you know, the Nets had kind of been up there in the finals mix for a couple of years, but it really looked like the Pacers had emerged last year. The, the previous year they won 61 games, um, and then they added Steven Jackson this year as a scorer. Um, and the Pistons were obviously coming off of beating the Lakers in the finals. Um, division rivals, they played four or five times a year. Um, and I watched an interview with Reggie Miller, and uh, he was talking about talked about some of that and also talked about how, for some reason, um, Ron and Ben Wallace just always kind of had beef. He didn't know why, but 
they just always had beef. Um, so yeah, everything just kind of comes to a boiling point here when, um, for whatever reason, I don't know why. And I think we'll, we'll probably talk about this a little later too, but why the star players in this game are still on the court with under a minute and the game is well out of hand. I mean, it's a 15 point lead. Um, the Pacers were in control of the game for pretty much the whole game. Why those guys are still even on the court from Larry Brown and Rick Carlisle is beyond me. Well, it's interesting too. Rick Carlisle was fired by the Pistons in 2002. So, you know, I'm a coach. I like to think coaches, you know, are, are in the rivalry too. And so I don't know what was going through his thought process. I mean, I'd want to stomp on him too, you know, and, I know um, Larry Brown talked about – he actually had a quote talking about why he had his players in, and um, he just felt like it. What he didn't want to embarrass any of the bench players for 45 seconds. Um, so – and he felt like it was still close enough. Um, anyways, that was something he talked about. But I just found Rick Carlisle, that was an interesting – getting fired by the Pistons um, and then obviously coaching against them. Maybe had some, some play in that. I don't know, um, but that was – interesting but these two teams I mean they prided themselves on physicality um you know that let's fast forward a little bit to when they played the Spurs right uh they got they got swept that man that was the slowest pace kind of series fans would call it boring that these teams really prided on on defensive uh capabilities and just hacking and killing people so that's what they were all about so obviously tensions got in the way of that I I will add that um Jamal Tinsley is so good it's so it's so forgotten how good Jamal Tinsley was I think at halftime he had eight points five assists five steals and I he got his career high in steals in this game too which is insane as well Ron Artest was averaging 25 a game at this point as well MVP numbers we just had a great team and it just fell apart in this moment so I think from the year before coming into that season um the Pistons, you know, what happens when you win a championship, you lose focus the next year. The Pistons had allowed four teams the season prior to score over 100 points on them, which is insane. I i don't think I've heard of an NBA team that's capable of that in recent years, other than those Pistons teams. But that game against the Pacers um, up until that moment, which I think was, what, 10 games into the season for the Pistons, I, I don't remember the record at the time, but uh, they had already allowed three teams to score over 100 on them, and they lost focus a lot lost focus a lot up until that point as well um they had done their ring ceremony went to toronto to play against the raptors had just gotten whooped um, by the raptors and then coming into this game their emotions are high they already don't like ben wallace already doesn't like ron artest and i would say i read this too and i found this interesting ben wallace had just lost his dad so maybe there were some you know obviously emotions with that too i don't yeah. know that, but i read that yeah, I had missed the previous two games. It could have been his dad. I heard Bill Walton, who was one of the announcers in this game, um, say that it was his older brother. <laughs> um, yeah, so it could have been his dad. I, I don't know if I trust Bill Walton fully. <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah, um, which there's a lot of great quotes from Bill Walton in this, which I'm going to share with you guys in a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, just this game was primed. Um for something to go down like this it shouldn't have gone down like this and i i doubt we'll see something like this for a long time if ever again and the surprising thing to me too is that the whole brawl is being aired on espn as well the whole time i'm watching it when we were like doing all the research for this podcast 
I'm thinking there's no way that this is still on TV. How does this make sense? No. Yeah, why David Stern was not on the phone immediately calling ESPN like cut cut the broadcast right now. Um is I mean, I wonder if they would even I don't think they would still show that something like that today. I feel like they would just cut to Scott Van Pelt right away. <laughs> no doubt about it. That's that's the craziest part of it. It just kept going on and on. I remember sitting in Scotty's brew house and like I was able to get to the apartment and there was still feed um, going because we want, we were like, we got to get home to see what's going. We couldn't hear the, the audio. We were like, we got to get home. And we, it was still on. Look, I'm not comparing the mouse of the palace to nine 11, but it's one of those things where you remember where you were when you saw it, you know, no like I remember I was at, for some reason I was at uh, a high school party and I was like nine years old. My uncle was in high school at the time whatever reason he took me to this party with him. So I was like sitting on a couch in the basement watching this game while the high schoolers, you know, probably did mischievous things. (laughs) And uh, I was still watching at the end for some reason it was a blowout and just being like, like my mind was blown. You've never seen anything like that on that scale in a professional sports game. Nothing, nothing like that. It, it feels impossible that it would happen today. You know, it just feels absolutely impossible that it happened. Yeah. And the uh, reason to me that it seems most impossible is that Ron Artest is no longer in the NBA. Yeah, because the players are soft now. <laughs> you don't think there's a team that is capable of something like this? I don't know. The Knicks have a lot of, uh, have a lot of forwards past their prime. Like Taj Gibson seems like he might. Yeah, see – a fan yeah there i i don't think there's a right answer actually morris twins yeah the morris twins but i mean the fact that the pacers had ron artest stephen jackson who had already gotten in trouble uh for shooting outside of an indie nightclub um jamal tinsley who was part of that jermaine o'neal allegedly yeah sorry jermaine o'neal who you know was known to trash talk and then, obviously, all the Pistons players. I think Rasheed Wallace is number one all-time in uh, ejections or technical fouls in NBA history, right? Yep. Yeah, so, it. yeah, I mean, we've been saying this the whole time. It was just a bad mix. All right, so that's what led up to that moment. Let's talk about super- superlatives. It's hard to say, um, guys. And uh, I have a bunch of questions here. And, Austin, I'm sorry, I forgot stat of the day. So, Austin, will you give us the stat of the day? Uh, gentlemen, do you remember where you were on May 31st, 1998? No. 13 years old for me. I'm going to guess I was at the racetrack. At the racetrack. Quite possibly. I can tell you where I think I was, was at home like Jack, because I was also a, a toddler at this point in my life. Um, I can tell you the Pacers were in Chicago. Uh, where they were playing the Bulls in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. And I thought I would use this stat today uh, as next week we will see a lot about that uh, Eastern Conference Finals series against that final Michael Jordan Bulls team. Uh, But my stat from this game is from none other than Dale Davis, who I believe played a very large part in the Pacers losing that game. Uh, Dale Davis had nine points, nine rebounds. Um, 
but don't let the nine rebounds fool you. He did a horrible job on the glass this game. The Bulls uh, got how many offensive rebounds did they get? They got 22 offensive rebounds in this game. And oh Dale Davis was three for 10 at the free throw line in this game. <laughs> Yikes. So, so you, just, you just came on here to slander Dale Davis. I wanted people to know that it's not Reggie Miller's fault the Pacers lost this game. It's really – it was rebounding and Dale Davis. I watched this game a few weeks ago, and I just couldn't believe, like, how bad Dale Davis was at the foul line because Tony Kukoc gets, is on him for large parts of this game and could not guard him. That's why he was at the foul line so much. And uh, he just – he could not hit anything. Um, it didn't help. Antonio Davis fouls out in this game. Um, and Rick Smith did not do any better on the boards. But uh, Dale Davis, you get the stat of the day. Well, here's the question. Dale Davis, his son, is he going to have a better NBA career than Dale Davis? I don't know. That's a question for Jack because I'll be honest with you. I'm the worst IU fan in the world. And I haven't watched a game since Romeo was there. Um, no. No way. <laughs> no way. Uh, Dale Davis, NBA All-Star, one time. What year? I don't remember. Me either. Yep. Uh, Antonio Davis went on to be an All-Star as well, it turns out, for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Dale, Dale Davis was 99-2000, the year the Pacers went to the finals. Yeah, and I think he averaged less than 10 points and 10 rebounds. He, he averaged exactly 10 points and 9.9 rebounds. Oh, I was close, so almost 10 and 10. I knew it was something like that. The NBA had a talent drought for <laughs> like 15 years. Pacer fans aren't going to be happy with you on this one, though. I'll be honest. He, was, he brought so much more than stats. Yeah. He did. And, look, I'm used to it. Um, I think the Pacers' record in my stats of the day is about 3-15 and 15 at this point, probably. <laughs> That's just luck of the draw. Yeah, and how many Austin Crozier stats of the day has there been? Uh, about 15. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all after 2005. All right, before we get back to this pod, I want to tell you guys about our sponsor, 9450 Apparel. It starts with an appreciation of sport. The numbers 9450 represent the dimensions of an NBA basketball court, 94 feet by 50 feet, but means more than just numbers on a blueprint. It's the foundation where we come together and move culture, where we display talent and personality through style of play and fashion. 9450 Apparel was created to contribute to the basketball community through lifestyle pieces that tell stories for fans and athletes alike. We at All Pacers Pod love the products that 9450 Apparel offer, plus you can't beat the value. 9450 also understands the importance of giving back. For a limited time, you can find their I Miss Basketball t-shirts and 100% of the profits actually will go towards Feeding America where lives are being changed and hunger is getting defeated. Basketball is more than a sport and with 9450 Apparel, you can be more than a fan. Take your style up a level by visiting 9450apparel.com. Again, that's 9450apparel.com. Back to the pod. Let's start with what age is the worst from the Malice at the Palace. Oh, that's easy. Uh, Jonathan Bender's suit. I don't know. <laughs> when you go back and watch it, and uh, man, he was swimming in that. Like, they were wearing baggy suits, and I'm sure it made it easier to fight than it would be in, in today's gear, but 
that was he he was injured i'm sure um but he was dressed in a suit and it was he was swimming in it it did not look good yeah sure. that was the era baggy clothes oversized clothes uh backwards football jerseys uh were very popular in society lot just a lot of jersey wearing jersey and like long jean shorts very long jean shorts <laughs> and when the nba players got drafted and your post-game press conferences the big suits were kind of a part of that always with the shoulder pads too oh those are awful the shoulder pads are never good when we had scott pollard on this podcast um, he's at the game. He's at the Malice at the Palace. He was hurt. He had a, a back injury at the time. He talked about when he was walking out of the stadium with Jermaine O'Neal. He was getting all his beer and uh, whatever thrown on him. And he talked about him just buying that suit recently. And his suit was getting ruined that he had just bought while he's leaving. I he claimed it kind of nice, I thought. He had the glasses on. Uh, no crazy hair. Yeah. just kinda, He looked pretty fresh, I thought. Very, very sad about his suit. Yeah, very, very sad. I'm sure he he had enough money uh, to buy a new one. It might be more uh, tragic if one of us lost a suit in a situation like that. I've but... lost a lawsuit, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Dude, do you want to talk about it at all? No, nah, we don't need to get into my ex-wife and my kids at all. <laughs> do, do you guys have anything else that aged the worst? Because I have a couple. For me, uh, what aged the worst is... Uh, Ron Artest and Jermaine O'Neal in sort of Pacers fan lore. I and I'm sure every Pacers fan uh, does not look on Ron Artest that fondly. Um, but also just like looking back on Jermaine O'Neal, um, he was a bit of a cancer on that team. Um, in that same interview with Reggie Miller that I referenced earlier, it's an interview with Dan Patrick. You guys can find it on YouTube. Um, he talks about how the year before they had had problems in the playoffs because our test and O'Neal were always arguing over whose team it was. And he, and Reggie was like, you're both idiots. It's, it's my team. Yeah. <laughs> I've been here for 18 years, you know? Um, and he was just kind of like, a selfish player. I mean, he was very good. He got his numbers. Uh, a, a, a better rim protector than I think people give him credit for. I mean, he was above two blocks a game for a lot of years. Um, but was also just a very selfish player. Was kind of a black hole on the block. Like, if it came in, it wasn't coming out. Didn't always have the best field goal percentage. Um, and the, this fight just kind of puts the stamp on it. For him, this this team, which I think is better than the team the year before that won 61 games, at least from a talent perspective, it just sent them into a downward spiral and, and kind of doomed them for the whole year. So those two guys, for me, are what have aged the worst. Yeah, and Steven Jackson, too. It's hard to uh, remember how good he was, but when he comes to the Pacers, he was going to be our sixth man, um, creates his own shot, great scorer, and can play pesky defense as well. And now when you think about Steven Jackson as a Pacers fan, usually, I mean, this is how I think, and I know some other fans think as well, the first thing you think of is the malice at the palace. Yeah. And a lot of these guys, too, after this fight, like their career is just like a steady decrease um, from where it was. So 
yeah, I think Jermaine O'Neal is Jermaine O'Neal and Ron Artest's legacy as Pacers is a good answer. Um, I think Stephen Jackson aged uh, poorly because of this fight in Pacers fans' eyes, um, and really in his career as well. And then, uh, Lucas, before I turn it to something uh, more goofy with what age the worst, do you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, well, I would say even Jamal Tinsley unfairly would fall into that category too. Um, didn't have a lot to do with the the fight, or at least watching it with my eyes, I didn't see a lot of that. But I would say even um, even him kind of when you think of Jamal Tinsley, those that time, I would say he kind of fits into that, which is I would say unfair. Um, and then the interesting thing, I don't really remember how I felt right after with our test. I, I think I remember like being on a side, like as far as like siding with them. But he demanded a trade, uh, I think it was like the year after, uh, and that just really was a poor taste for on Pacer fans. Like, you sent us here, and now you're going to kind of abandon us is what it felt like. Yep. He was reckless, didn't think things through fully, just uh, in the moment made decisions. And, I mean, I think you can obviously see it in this brawl. Also, what I believe aged the worst, uh, there's Darko Milicic on the bench with frosted tips. <laughs> Not a good look. I miss that. Yeah, and this might be kind of crazy. I don't know how you guys feel about this. I think Steven Jackson's headband aged the worst in the middle of his head right here. I almost put that. So that's what aged the worst. What do you guys think aged the best from this brawl? For me, what aged the best from this is Rick Carlisle. Um, I think he gained a lot of valuable experience, particularly from this Pacers team in this season. I'm sure this game was big for him. Um he had to manage a lot of personalities on this this team, especially between Artest O'Neal and um, Steven Jackson. His first year with the team was this year. Um, and then he, you know, when we talked to Scott Pollard a few months ago, he told us that Carlisle was actually not that fun to play for, that he was very strict at, um, you know, the type of offense that they ran. Um, was not very free flowing. And I think the lessons that he learned from these Indiana teams allowed him to become, you know, he's maybe a top five coach in the league now won that title in 2011 that they were not supposed to win uh, in Dallas against that Miami team. Um, so for me, it's Rick Carlisle. I think he took a lot uh, and learned a lot from this season and this team. Dude, you might have the best one. He is definitely one. I love that. And his hair, man. I don't if you watch the game, he had a lot of hair. Yeah. I think, you know, it's you know, the ladies always say you look a little bit more uh, distinguished and you look better as you get older. He's he's uh he's aged well, I feel like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um mine is not as good. Um but it is Ron Artest. Uh, even though he might still have the the image of the brawl. I still I mean, he went to the Lakers, ended up winning a championship, Kobe would say that he was a big part of that. A uh, big reason, if you remember him hitting that big shot. Um, so He was the best player in that game seven in yeah. 2010. Yeah, so I would say he aged well, even even in midst of this uh, black eye. Yeah, um, that's, that's tough. That's tough to say, um, but I think you are onto something there. I believe the identity of the Pacers aged the best from this, where – Fans watching and fans who are uh, big Pacers supporters as well know the identity of the Pacers is blue collar, gold swagger. Um, We grind. The players have to work for where they're at and they don't take crap from anybody. And yeah, I think this was a big stain in Pacers history, probably the biggest stain in Pacers history. Um, 
but we do have an identity and this supports that a little bit or a lot and whether that's a good or bad thing i don't know we could have won a few championships in recent years um at least since 2000 we could have won a few championships but um i think that aged really well um, from a fan point of view i also think ben wallace's afro was great and watching it now i just you know i i think it's so forgotten how great of an afro it was Andy had the headband with it too, right? Yeah, Andy had the headband. Uh, I have a quote from Ben Wallace before the game. Apparently he said this to Bill Walton. This this is just some of the dialogue from the announcers. Ben Wallace said, I'm quicker, faster, and jump higher when the hair is blown out. So take that how you want. But, you know, it might be time for all of us to get afros. Makes a lot of sense. All right, let's move on to life lessons. Do you guys have any life lessons you took away from this brawl. Yes. Yeah, so my uh, my biggest life lesson or takeaway is you probably shouldn't mix gambling uh, with drinking. Uh, apparently, the guy that threw the drink uh, to start this whole thing uh, at Ron Artest uh, was really drunk. And uh, the, the guy next to him said, hey, I bet you $50 you can't hit that guy uh, with your drink. So, you know, I don't think that's a good um, combination, drinking and gambling. So I took that away is don't do it. Amazing. Uh, how much would it cost for you like if I said, Lucas, I bet you blank amount of money that you can't hit him. For, well, how much would it take for you to actually throw a drink? Well, who am I, am I still, th- am I throwing at Ron Artest? Or is let's it- say, let's say one of the Pistons players is lying on the scorer's table, like Ben Wallace. Oh, nothing. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Lindsey Hunter? Uh, you, you, you could probably oh. do it. <laughs> Wait, what's your beef with Lindsey Hunter? <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying like, not as scary. I get that. That's a great way to look at it. Um. That was so dumb of a guy to throw a drink at Ron Artest. No doubt about it. Because if there's someone who's going to run into the stands, it's Ron Artest. Second place in the league was probably Rashid or Steven Jackson at the time. Yeah, so, you could throw all those guys in there, honestly. Yeah. Okay, so let's say Ron Artest is laying there. Like, How much is it going to cost you to throw a drink at him? Oh, man. I, I'm not doing it. Not even for $100,000? No, because then, especially in today's NBA, you're losing it right away. Because, I mean, the, the security and all the measures that they've taken now, it's there's no way. <laughs> all right. I, I'd probably do it for 50. 50,000, sorry. 50,000. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> Dude, pay off student debt right there. My ministry job's too good. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you have you have public ramifications. Me, I'm not responsible to anybody. <laughs> that's right (laughs) man okay probably for a million dollars right yeah Uh, yeah i mean but okay you also get a punch thrown at you from ron artest that's tough honestly like 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 a clear punch though is yeah the way he was getting held back to like it that that first initial attack wasn't that bad it was so yeah yeah. i'd do it for a million Amazing. Uh, Austin, what life lessons do you have from this game? Buy clothes that fit. Um, Lucas talked about Jonathan Bender's big suit. Uh, was kind of a trend in the in the NBA that at that time, like we talked about, a lot of lot of reserves, especially on these benches, in the very big suits, and uh, just doesn't look good, especially when you're kind of fighting for your life and there's there's beer all over your big suit. Yes, so true. Uh, we had five guys in those big suits because we had five injuries. They were all there. Reggie, Scott Pollard, Jeff Foster, Jonathan Bender, and Anthony Johnson. Um, yeah, not a good look. 
my, one of my life lessons is if there's less than a minute left in an emotionally charged game with a 15 point differential, uh, put your reserves in. There's no excuse for 45 seconds left in the game uh, having both starters in the game still. Well, Smush Parker was in for the Pistons for whatever reason. Uh, so good. I'm. Oh man, I like stomping on a rival. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's you know it is. There's good ways to look at it, but I don't know if you want to do that with these teams. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. I think in the moment it probably made sense, but hindsight, not a good idea. It was normal until the drink was thrown. I mean, we've seen those NBA, you know, fights all the time. So it was normal until the drink was thrown, and that's when it went crazy. And, okay, speaking of that, one of my life lessons is don't throw a beer at a volatile professional athlete. It's a good call. Next, we have best quotes from it. Could be during or after. Um, I have a bunch here, so if you guys want to give some of yours, we can just, you know, go back and forth. I don't know if you guys have any good quotes. Start us off, Jack. All right. um, At the beginning of the game, Bill Walton... Uh, who was calling the game, said this word for word. He said, our test needs to get it going here to provide an emotional spark. (laughs) I think this could be in what age the worst as well. Um, Yeah, not, you know, obviously he provided that emotional spark and uh, threw our season away. Um, So there you go. I have Jermaine O'Neal to our test before the game. He said, we don't want any distractions. This has a chance to be a special year. Uh, so not a good look. If you guys remember, Ron Artest tried to sit out a few games uh, so he could, or because he was tired from promoting his CD um, that he was releasing. So he asked, <laughs> yeah, he asked if he could sit out some games, and uh, obviously the players and the staff and everybody was mad at him for that. Wow, I did not remember that. <laughs> yeah, I I had a really deep dive to find this um, because whenever you type in. Ron Artest sits out a few games. The only thing that pops up is Malice at the Palace. So I had to get really specific. I just, like, gathered facts from watching the game. He was trying to sell a CD. Um, Working on the CD and promoting it made him tired, and he tried to sit out games. Bill Walton says, The Pacers are playing with a small lineup now, as many of the more successful teams do. That aged pretty well. Wow. Yeah. Bill Walton's... That's true, though? Like, in the moment? His... I didn't look at the rosters... His first example was the Suns. I don't know who was on that team in 04. Was Nash there? Nash is there. Uh, Joe Johnson, Sean Marion. Yes, that that was the team. Yeah, because Sean Marion was playing some five at times. So the Pacers weren't really playing super small, but when they had the reserves in, uh, they were forced to play small because we had Scott Pollard and Jeff Foster out. But yeah, Bill Walton said that. Bill Walton also says... Tayshon Prince is bigger, stronger, and more athletic than Artest, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, I bet he was probably bigger. Mike Breen, who was with him, said, you really think he's stronger than Artest? Yeah, no way. <laughs> Definitely more athletic. He showed that by breaking our hearts the year before on the on the block. Yeah. Miller. Yeah. Yeah, Tayshon Prince is no slouch, but I don't think he's stronger than Ron Artest. He's mentally stronger. He is mentally stronger. Um, And then finally, the last thing I wanted to say was one of the refs there was, uh, 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 what's his name? Tommy Nunez Jr. Uh, His dad had refed this little guy, very little ref. I I can't even believe he was a referee. Um, I thought it was funny. Tinsley, at the end of the game, was yelling at him. He goes, come on, little Nunez, wake up. (laughs) That's (laughs) amazing. 
Yeah. I think it was Tinsley. I heard I heard him yelling. I, I'm sure it was Tinsley who yelled it. Um, that was 57 seconds left in the game. Um, Tins, uh, Nunez would go on to get fired from the NBA uh, in 2012. Wow. So those are my quotes. Do you guys have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I got I got a few, and they're all after um, after the brawl. One of my and this is classic. This isn't a big uh, diving in deep, but when they all get to the locker room, um, Ron Artest and Stephen Jackson, Jamal Tinsley are sitting there, you know, just right after, and and Ron Artest leans over and says, "Hey guys, you think we're gonna get in trouble for this?" <laughs> and Stephen Jackson's like, "Bro, we're we might not even have a job after this." <laughs> so that that stuck with me. That's hilarious. That he where his mind was during all that. Um, Jermaine said right after that this it was 20 times worse um, to be there than it was on TV and I, I just can't even imagine what they were feeling I know even Chuck Person said it felt like they were in a cage and lions uh, just were like looking after them and attack it was just I mean people thought honestly that they were fighting for their lives yeah yeah um, couple anecdotes that I found um, the pacer uh, Detroit police actually came to the Pacers locker room and were going to arrest Ron Artest. Uh, but the Pacers like snuck him onto the bus and wouldn't let him off uh, when they tried to come get him. Um, also, Reggie Miller has told a story about how um, after Artest went into the stands, um, it was him and I think Chuck Persons uh, and some maybe somebody else were had him restrained, and a police officer came running over and was going to mace run our test, and Reggie like had to get the cop away and was like, "What are you doing? Like, he's fine now. You're just gonna make it worse." Yeah, insane, so crazy. The whole thing. Um, I saw that interview as well. Uh. Reggie said when they would go back to Detroit after that, like the next time they went back, they had to stay on the bus for a few hours because bomb threats kept getting called in. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. Fans didn't want Indiana to be back in Detroit to play. So I think they probably eventually played. I, I, I didn't do my research on that farther than Reggie said bomb threats were getting sent in. That was in the, that was in March. Obviously Ron Artest was suspended so he couldn't play. Yeah. I actually went to the game um, right after it was an Indy. Uh, on Christmas Day, and that was madness. I won't compare it to LeBron coming back to Cleveland or anything like that, but it was, you know, every time Ben Wallace got the ball, it was booing and it was crazy. It was it was pretty lively. So, who was playing for the Pacers when you went to that game? It was six guys. Um, so we were. I, I can't remember exactly who it was, but I know that we had like basically no bench. Um, <laughs> and we we. I mean, it was a, a good effort. We I think we lost by six or seven, um, but it was it was an effort insane yeah the team after the game after this the team is fred jones eddie gill david harrison james jones and crozier in the starting lineup and john edwards john edwards and david harrison i don't even remember them Uh, david harrison i do but not john edwards yeah harrison was a rookie that year yep john edwards was a part of one of our trades that we did in a recent podcast lesson Oh, was he really? Okay. I can't, I can't remember who we traded to guys. get him or what. Six guys. Eddie Six Gill plays 48 minutes in this game. <laughs> Eddie Gill. Uh, Eddie Gill was so bad in this Pistons game. 
uh, anytime he got the ball when Tinsley had to rest, like Tinsley would sit down and then immediately have to come back because Eddie Gill would try to bring it up to the court and he'd get double teamed because they knew it was Eddie Gill and he'd lose the ball every time. You know, the, the crazy thing too, and I don't, I don't know the, the history, but I wonder how many uh, Christmas games the Pacers have had. Like what, what are the odds that they have this scheduled um, and the luck that that's our Christmas game? <laughs> yep. So crazy. Um, do you guys have any other quotes or do you want to move on? That's all I got. I would like to move on. All right. Uh, what are your top three hits from this game? This can be punches, kicks, uh, items hitting someone. Uh, my top three are uh, Steven Jackson comes barreling into a man. It's almost like a tackle punch. I think he slips. He was probably being restrained. So he kind of slips and just like full punches this guy in the face. Jermaine O'Neal also had one where he might have killed a guy. Yeah, I call it the murder punch. Oh. And he slips, though, going into that punch, or he really might have like hit that guy in a temple or something. Um, that was a, a big hit. And then as they're leaving the tunnel or heading out through the tunnel, this isn't a hit. But I thought it was hilarious. There's a Pistons fan who is just like standing over the edge with a bottle of either like Sprite or some sort of beer. It's a full bottle and just like pours the whole thing just like straight out. Doesn't move at all. It was hilarious. Is that the one that hits Jermaine O'Neal? Because that was mine for sure. It's. I think it's while he's coming out. There's also a chair thrown in this sequence. <laughs> Yeah, the Jermaine O'Neal where he just gets doused. Um, like he's he's arguing with someone else in the tunnel. Yeah. This gets, you know, I think it's the same one. I had that on there. Um, definitely had the Jermaine O'Neal slippery punch. Um, yep. And then I would say Ron Artest got a good lick on that one guy um, who also came on the on the floor. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, those are all mine. I think, the, I think one of my biggest hits is that first blue cup that hits Ron Artest in the chest. That's the winner, probably, right? It has to be. Uh, but I, I do have the Jermaine O'Neal murder punch, uh, the Steven Jackson, when he runs into the... Dude, what's crazy to me is Ron Artest and Steven Jackson run into the stands. It's like two versus 500. And for some reason, they thought they could go in there and beat some people up. <laughs> There's a part of me that loves that. Like, and even Steven Jackson talking about, like, my brother's going in, I'm going too, you know? Yeah. Um, now, I'm not condoning it, but there is a part of me that's like, stand up for your brother's. Oh, totally. But the the like you just talked about the drink, the hit of the day. I mean, you you asked me what I would have you know asked for like a million dollars. I would have not even hit the guy, you know, and then I would have been a joke of it all. So <laughs> yeah, the fact that he hit Ron Artest perfectly was amazing. So yeah, those are the three. I mean, you could put whatever. I think there's probably five hits that you could put in the top three. Um, that was a great one. Uh, Fred Jones comes into the stands to try and clear things up and gets punched in the back of the head by Ben Wallace's brother. Yeah. I've seen, I saw that too. He did it. He played the game after though. So huh. I don't know. A lot of those guys got community service. I did read that. A lot of the Pacers got community service. Well, Fred Jones got way more playing time than he deserved and, <laughs> and thus got more money in the NBA than he deserved. Yeah. It was, it was a weird, uh, probably a blessing for him. Yeah, I, I watch these games, and I can never figure out what Fred Jones is particularly good at. Dunking. Yep. It has to be that, right? 
I mean, but what's that going to get you? Next up, we have... Whoa, that guy was there? Who, who are some of the people that you saw um, that just threw you off doing this deep dive? Yeah, for me, um, it was crazy. I noticed it right away when I went back and watched it. Um, Tim Donaghy. I don't know if you guys know that name. The rest uh, of me. Yeah. Like, he's the one that had all the, the, the scandal with the gambling, and it just kind of blew my mind that – I don't know why. I mean, not that he would be surprising that he would be refing during that time, but just that he was doing that game. Um, I wonder if he had any, any bit of the $50 bet. Um, that the guy, <laughs> I don't know, but that shocked me. Just, I don't know why, but seeing that right away, like, dude, that's the same ref. Yeah. Good. Great answer. Also no kid rock was there. I didn't yes, see that. That was one of mine. I, they show him at one point when you watch the game. Yep. Kid rock was there. Weird. Um, awesome. Who do you have? Uh, mine is worldwide West. Yeah. I don't know if everybody knows who worldwide West is that's listening I don't think anybody really knows what worldwide West does. His real name is William Wesley, but he's just like a very influential person in professional sports. And even like he has close ties to Drake He's very close ties to LeBron um, through LeBron's attorney, Leon Rose. Um, he, and you can, there's a famous picture of him like holding our test He's the, he's the bald guy holding our test in, like, the gray suit with beer all over the back. That's World Wide West. Uh, his official occupation on Wikipedia is listed as a consultant. <laughs> why he was at this game in particular, I don't know. Uh, I can tell you why. It's probably because he, he does a lot of community work in Detroit. But um, how he managed to get in the middle of everything uh, is just crazy. Yeah. Uh, also is referenced in uh, the, the diss track back-to-back by Drake. He says, I, I learned the game from William Wesley. You can never check me. Oh. World Wide West is everywhere and nowhere at the same time. <laughs> I had no idea who was at the game. I'm surprised both of you noticed that. Um, I have a few. I have uh, Rick Carlisle with brown hair. That threw me off. Uh, I didn't realize that's what he looked like back then. Rip Hamilton without a mask on. Ooh. was weird. Um, James Jones checked in at one point for the Pacers. LeBron's quoted favorite teammate he's ever, or best teammate he's ever had. He was a Pacers player at one point. And then uh, Chuck Person threw me off too. I totally forgot he was on staff at that point. And finally, uh, basketball players playing basketball, since we don't have that anymore. Mm. Yeah. Too soon. Uh, yeah, too soon. Fans at a game as well. Who? I mean... That's distant history at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. Uh, Kid Rock's a great one. World Wide West is amazing, too. I didn't even know he was there. So, there were some people there. Who knew? Uh, whose career started to end after this? Um, I don't know if this was, like, career ending. I mean, they're still around and, and doing good things. But I would say fourth quarter, they aren't showing up anymore. It's probably Miller Lite. Um, because you know, you're not allowed to drink, um, <laughs> the game anymore. And so it kind of like Westbrook just does not show up in the fourth quarter. And so kind of, kind of gone downhill since then. Amazing. <laughs> hey, was that a direct like correlation because of this? Yeah. That's one of the, the things that arenas put in from a security standpoint. Um, I think it's the last quarter you're not allowed to get any more drinks. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, usually when me and Austin go to games, we're plastered by the fourth quarter. So we wouldn't, we wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you drink the first three quarters and you have your face in the toilet for the fourth quarter. <laughs> That's right. Need the beer. And if it's pretzel, like if you get a pretzel cheese, if you're Austin, then it might not just be your face in the toilet. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, one time at a Pacers game in uh, 2011, I think it was, I had a pretzels with cheese at Banker's Life. Made me very, maybe the sickest I've ever been, and at least as far as one night food poisoning is concerned. Um, vomiting profusely, uh, diarrhea, sometimes at the same time. It was a whole lot. <laughs> I've had pretzels with cheese at Banker's Life since then, and I've had no problems. So it was just watching Blake Griffin then? It was, hold on now, buddy. <laughs> It was watching. Uh, it was actually watching rookie Demarcus Cousins dominate Jeff Foster. <laughs> Reggie Miller had not announced that he was retiring at this point. Uh, he was going to wait till halfway through the season, and I'm sure he was hoping that he'd win a championship that year as well. He had a year left on his contract too. He did. Scott Pollard said uh, Reggie had told the organization it was either him or Jermaine O'Neal, and the organization chose Jermaine O'Neal, so Reggie was done. Um, after this season and his career didn't end because of this but uh it could have looked differently because of this yeah which I mean, Jermaine O'Neal that leads to mine mine is uh Jermaine O'Neal started to go downhill after this if you look statistically um that season he shot 45 percent from the field and I kind of referenced this earlier that his field goal percentage is not always great for a big man who's, uh, you know, shooting a lot. Um, shot 45% that season, but averaged 24 points a game. The next season was the last season that he averaged 20 a game. Um, and, yeah, his – all his just shooting percentages and stuff seemed to start to go down. His free throw percentage goes down about 5% the next year. Um I'm sure this fight took a toll on him as it did many of the other players and, and even coaches involved, but he was my pick for this. Yeah. I had him down too. Um, and he bounced around from team to team after that too. Just couldn't find, find the right fit for him after that. So I had him down David Harrison. Uh, we mentioned him earlier in the podcast. I would say he, he was a rookie that year. He, he ended um, his playing career in 2008. So didn't have a long stretch, um, had nothing to do probably with the, uh, the, the brawl, but you, you asked the question whose career started to end. Um, and I would say he was one of them. Yeah. He, uh, actually ended up getting traded. I think the next year, uh, the Pacers were trying to get a new identity, obviously. And, um, so he was he, a part of that. He, he was, hey, he played yeah. the, he played his whole career in Indiana. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of someone else then. I, I was going to mix this up. I'm thinking of the other guy, Edwards. Yeah, maybe. Let's just let's ignore this because I had a quote about Larry Bird liking white guys more, and it was one of the players. I can't remember who it was now. <laughs> okay. One one of the players said Larry Bird just wants white guys, and I found a bunch of Larry Bird quotes talking about it. I mean, that is uh, honestly they were trying to change their image. So there's a lot of racial undertones um, that I don't want to get deep into that, but it was a lot of like Tyler Hansborough. Um, Man, there was, I can't remember his name, but a foreign dude. They were just trying to really rechange. TJ Leaf. 
<laughs> so let's move on to the biggest winners from this, if there is one. Um, do you guys have a big winner from this brawl? Um, this, I mean, this is simple, but the security teams around all the different arenas, I mean, uh, I, I feel like they really boosted their security teams and what to do, what not to do. Um, and so I would say that was a good thing for the NBA, even though Indiana had to go through it. It was good for the NBA as a whole because it would have happened at some point. So shout out to the people in the yellow jackets. Shout out. They have a lot of them now who could definitely not stop a fight. <laughs> like they put some of the oldest security guards right down by the court. And it's like, what are they going to do? You know? Also, yeah. this would happen again, though, I don't think. You say that. Yeah, I say that. And, you know, that's what I said before my last kid came. <laughs> I got three big winners. First of all, people that could barely afford tickets at Pistons games. Now, since, you know, people don't want to go to the games anymore, they can just afford to buy you know, some of the upper level seats because those upper level seat people start moving down. Just maybe ticket prices didn't look so good anymore for Pistons. Another winner of mine is the nosebleed seats at basketball games. As people want to get away from the action, now they uh, have to spend more money. Or, I mean, now they can, now they're more willing to buy the nosebleed seats. So teams benefit, those nosebleed seats benefit. Um, Also, I think the real big winner here is the Spurs. Yeah, I think the Spurs is the actual answer for this because I don't think anyone on the Pistons won. I don't think anyone on the Pacers really won. Um, And the Spurs won the championship that year. They beat the Pistons in the finals. Who knows? It could have looked different if the Pacers made it that far. I I had the Piston fans in general. Like, I cannot believe there was only five that got away. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, that got punished or uh, had some kind of consequence. Um, So I would say the Pistons fans – one and they got to see not the Pacers go. I mean, Detroit ended up beating us um, that year in the in the playoffs. So I would say they did their job. I agree with you, you Jack. I I think the Spurs are the big winner here. Uh, I think a Pacers team that a didn't go through this mess and b had Ron Artest in the playoffs uh, would have beaten that Pistons team. I mean, they took they took them to six games. They were up two one in that series in the second round. I forget who the Pistons even played in the conference finals that year, but um, they took them to six games without our test. They probably would have beaten them with him. And then the Pistons took the Spurs to seven games that season and, uh, and were in that game seven. So I, I think the Pacers had a very good shot, uh, like we've talked about throughout this pod, of winning the finals that year. And, uh, you know, the Spurs got to – I think they got to play a team with a lot less offensive firepower in the Pistons. I've got to say this. I, I'm the homer. I mean, obviously, got to say this. John Saunders, right after the game, called the fans um, classless, classless jerks. And that warms my heart. So he's a winner in my heart, um, yeah. being the homer, because I was – I remember still being angry. Yeah. All right, John Saunders. Oh, shoot. I didn't know that. RIP. We'll do a John Saunders podcast next. Who's the biggest loser from this? Me. <laughs> I just I just could have seen Pacers get a championship. It's Yeah, me. let's let's move on. Just kidding. You know, I, I mean, Reggie Miller is the obvious one. I would say another one for me that I put on my list is David Stern. 
Um, yeah. I don't think his image um, was great after this. A lot of racial undertones. I mean, if you remember, they, this is where the dress code came into play. Um, and so there's just a lot of like, he was trying to clean up the league, but he was doing it in, in the way, um, in all the wrong ways from, in, in my eyes. So I, I didn't think he looked good, um, during that. Um, I, I agree with Reggie Miller. Um, I even think his legacy, uh, was, I really believe his legacy is the biggest loser in this, you know, like what one championship for a player can, uh, do for their legacy. Uh, Reggie could have had that ring and he didn't get it. Um, it was still his team, obviously. I know Jermaine O'Neal and Ron Artest had different views, but it was Reggie's team. And yeah, missed out on that opportunity to, you know, win that championship. I think the Pacers organization was a loser. Probably the Pistons organization too. This isn't a Pistons podcast though, so I haven't deep dived into what that changed. I just never have thought highly of the Pistons organization in general. Also a big loser is Larry Brown's hip. I don't know if you guys knew this. He had just had hip surgery. He wasn't sitting on the bench in this game. He was sitting on his office chair, his desk chair. Yeah, he was walking around the whole game. The uh, Bill Walton kept saying this, like his doctor can't be happy. I don't think you're supposed to walk around on this. <laughs> so Larry Brown's hip is my third biggest loser. There's also oh, one. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, it's probably more comfortable than sitting for him. He was hobbling around, uh, did not look comfortable at all. Um, and it looked like he was sitting in one of those gamer chairs. Like it was just like this royal blue chair that just was too comfortable and he could roll around in it and he also quit i don't know if he quit or the pistons i wouldn't imagine the pistons fired larry brown but he uh was gone after that season yeah interesting there a uh, shout out to mark boyle a uh, longtime radio guy the one that ron artest jumped over uh you'll see like if you go back and watch the game he's got a cut over his eyes bleeding he uh fractured five vertebrae um, that that night whoa so i'm yeah. sure he did not anticipate going into a night like that i didn't know that it was that bad wow i i have a picture of him uh with his eye cut up i screenshotted it um, just in case we ever talk to him about it one day. Yeah. That's insane, man. Yeah, I, I saw a quote from him where our test had gone to this table and put on a headset to talk to them. And he said that there was no way that they were giving Ron Artest a live mic. And <laughs> this is before, you know, obviously he gets a beer thrown on him. It's before all that. And then he gets the beer thrown and all hell breaks loose. Poor guy. Yeah. Unreal. And he had a quote. We didn't, we talked about quotes, but he talked, he leaned over to his guy um, probably early in the game and just said, man, this is so chippy. The refs need to get control of this game or it's going to get out of control. Lil Nunez, man. <laughs> Should have taken control. And I got a couple more questions for you guys. Um, we've answered this a lot. Just give your answer uh, briefly here. What happens if the brawl never happened? I think Pacers win the title that year. I think that probably would have still been Reggie Miller's last season. I think he would have liked to go out on a title. Um, and, you know, maybe Ron Artest never leaves Indiana then. You know, and, and they're able to continue kind of that uh, those great teams that they had. I know they, the next year – they got Peja, Peja Stoyakovich to kind of replace Reggie, but they were a 500 team, you know. Uh, I think a lot of things are different for this franchise if uh, 
if they go on and win the title. Also, you got to think if they win the title, they probably don't get Danny Granger in the draft. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, this was so, such a backbreaking thing for the for the Pacers organization. Um, we see it like five years after they don't even make the playoffs. And um, but I just I, I don't know if we win a title or not. But I would be I'd find it fascinating to go back in contracts. And I know they were younger. Um, and I don't know if Reggie Miller would have retired. I think he would have had another shot even after this year. And so I. I'd go back. I'd like to go back and see what the contracts were lined up for for after that season. But I think they would have had some longevity with that team. I mean, we had great pieces and could have competed for a long time. It just fell apart because of this. Um, I agree with both of you guys on that. My next question is, do you believe the suspensions were excessive, fair, or not enough? I, I believe they were fair. Yeah, I, I believe that they were absolutely fair. I just, the the... When I walk away from that and watching it, I can't believe that Detroit, as the as the fans and the city and the arena, didn't get punished. Um, I mean, you talk about COVID with the the no fans. I really felt like they should have played the rest of the year. I know not everybody was a part of that, but there was so many people that that went away um, without any consequences. So, but I feel like the suspensions were fair. Yeah. Uh, just a quick recap. Here's the suspensions. Um, Ron Artest got 86 games, which ultimately was 73 regular season and 13 playoff games. Lost about $5 million in salary. Steven Jackson was suspended 30 games. Jermaine O'Neal, 15 games. Um, It was originally 25, but um, it was reduced on an appeal. I don't know how he came down from 25 games, to be honest, with that murder punch. Um, Ben Wallace got six. Anthony Johnson got five. Reggie got one. Chauncey Billups, Derek Coleman, Eldon Campbell all got one as well. Yeah, the guys who got suspended for leaving the bench is just kind of a formality, which everybody besides Tayshaun Prince left the bench, I read. Uh, I, I don't really think it's fair to those guys, but... He's mentally strong. He is very <laughs> mentally strong. Um, I agree there should have been more done to the fans. There should have been arrests made. I don't know if there were any or not, but I, I you know, I never heard that any were as far as the fans are concerned. I also think Steven Jackson probably deserved more than 30 games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also went into the stands. He punched multiple people. Um, how O'Neal got his suspension reduced, like you said, is mind-blowing. Um, but, yeah, I, I will say years later when Ron Artest, who I think was fairly punished the whole season for this, um, somehow only got away with, I think it was a game in that OKC playoff series with the Lakers where he just wailed off and elbowed James Harden in the face, <laughs> clearly intentionally. Uh, he got away with one there. So I guess you can say he he had it made up for by David. <laughs> the, the, one I, the one I question, and actually it was Jermaine O'Neal that, had the appeal, right? Is that yeah. the one that went – not Steven Jackson. Yeah, Jermaine so, O'Neal. Uh, did he do anything wrong? I mean, he didn't go into the stands. The guy came at him. Uh, part of me is like, I don't know if he did anything wrong. He was provoked and attacked. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think his punch was – I believe it was way too excessive. Excessively awesome. <laughs> True. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I think the Ron Artest suspension's fair. I'm surprised he only got suspended one season, really. Um, 
plus a little more, but, or no, it's just that season, right? He played the next season. I, I can't imagine that flying in today's NBA. I believe if Ron Artest went into the stands now and the same events transpired, he'd be banned for longer. Steven Jackson, 30 games compared to Ron Artest, 86 games is insane to me. I mean, Steven Jackson the whole time, like you can see him squaring up with people and then runs into the stands with Ron Artest. So the difference there is crazy. I guess, you know, Ron Artest was the one who really started it. I mean, he was just getting prodded though. Like if there's if there's a tiger in a cage and you're poking at it and then you go into the cage and keep poking at it, like it's going to fight you, right? And Ron Artest is that type of person where Ben Wallace shoved him in the neck uh, and then he got stuff thrown at him. Like, yeah, it's Ron Artest. He's going to run into the stands and fight you. What'd you expect? So yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think a lot of this is fair. I don't think Reggie should have got suspended. I don't even know why they would ever give him a game suspension for that. I also thought Jamal Tinsley got suspended. I guess he did not. I was under the impression he was suspended. I don't know if you guys thought the same way as I did. I thought it was a game, but I'm not quite sure. I think yeah. anybody left the he bench. He did play the next game. He did. It doesn't say he was suspended here. I have the whole list. Huh. The other interesting one um, is Ben Wallace. Like, really, honestly, didn't do a whole – I mean, I know he's the instigator, I guess, but – he didn't do it outside of NBA terms. He didn't really do that much to warrant six games, I think is what he got. Yeah, he got six he games. He threw a towel at Ron Artest while he was laying on the scorer's table. And it took, I don't know, like five or six guys to try to hold him back because he was still going at Artest that whole time that Artest was laying on the table. Um, I don't know if that's six games worthy. Yeah, you're right. All season should have been what they got. <laughs> yeah, the Pistons all should have been suspended. <laughs> So those are the questions I had for you guys extra that we didn't talk about, but I, I this is definitely a big part of Pacers history and it's tainted a lot of opportunities and uh, the image of the Pacers as well. So like, do you guys have any closing thoughts on this? Anything that we didn't talk about? Fun fact, this has nothing to do with basketball. Two movies were released that day that are very familiar. Um, one of them is the Nicolas Cage movie. Do you guys have any guesses in 2004? National Treasure? National Treasure was released the same day. Um, and then SpongeBob SquarePants movie also came out this day. So a great day for movie theaters. Bad day for the NBA. Um, and let's see, what else did I... Well, I guess we've mentioned all of everything else that I was going to say. I talked about Larry Brown's office chair. And I talked about our test asking for games off of the CD. Um so yeah, just all a mess. This whole thing was bad. And um, I wish it didn't happen. Yeah, I also wish it did not happen. I mean, as we've said, feel like the Pacers were really good that year. It ruined everything. What could have been? Story of my life. A lot of what ifs. But, you know, there's silver lining in all of it. You know, there's it really has... Um, it's, it's more of a player's league now, which it should be, um, they're protected more. And, uh, so, I mean, there's been some great things that have come out of it, but yes, I, as a Pacer fan, it broke my heart. Well, um, that's going to wrap up this podcast. If you guys have anything that we missed or that you'd want to talk about, uh, if you guys are listening at home, uh, DM us on Instagram or Twitter. We probably won't message you back if it's on Twitter. Cause we aren't really on there. Um, but for sure on Instagram and, uh, we'd love to talk about it. 
If you guys have any other ideas for us uh, as well from the Pacers history that you'd like us to deep dive into, let us know. We'll invite Lucas back. It'll be a ton of fun. Speaking of Lucas, dude, thank you so much for joining us. You know a ton about uh, this moment in history, and we're uh, really thankful that you got to be a part of this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Honestly, it's uh, it was it's fun to do. I don't like to relive that memory, but um, it was fun to to go back and talk through it. So anytime you want to talk hoops, I'm I'm game. And Austin, thanks, man. As always, what are your what what would you like to say to the fans listening at home right now? Make sure you wash behind your ears and wash in between all the hard to reach places. Do you prefer loofahs or sponges or? Nope, bare hands. <laughs> All right, well, for Lucas, for Austin, I'm Jack. Peace out. It's all about team basketball. It's all about playing the game the right way. The name on the front of the jersey is more important than that name on the back of the jersey. Play for the Indiana Pacers. That's who you represent.